podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This show is brought to you in association with Five Stars Promotions. To find out all about Five Stars' latest events, including many featuring ex-Rangers heroes, then please visit them on Twitter at Five Stars Limited, that's at Five Numeric Five Stars LTD, or search for them on Facebook. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that would never stoop to mid-90s crap pop music references. This week on Heart and Hand, clapped off plastic, result fantastic. Welcome to Art and Hand, Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I am delighted to be joining you with two of my favourite podders being unavailable, but I got two yes, others yes, instead. Yes. First of all, uh, you can hear him grumbling away in the background, is the happiest podder on the network, it's Martin Ramsey. Evening David, evening listeners. And joining me, a man who undoubtedly got that reference and in fact probably got married to the song, it's Colin McMillan. <laughs> Not quite, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Good afternoon, how are you? I am good, I am good, because, gentlemen, we are coming off a very, very fine week for our club, um, kicking off, of course, last uh, Sunday at Hamden, a pretty comfortable 3-0 victory over Hearts to send us into the League Cup final. We then took on what, on paper, I thought looked our most difficult home match of the Europa League against the best side I think we will come up against, um, well, if we go through maybe, but uh, apart from that, this season. And Martin, on the first 20 minutes evidence, I was a touch worried because, my goodness, they could knock the ball about and move. But Rangers fought very, very hard. And then when you need your big players to step up, there was Alfredo Morelos and Stephen Davis to secure what I think is a very famous and slightly underrated victory. Yeah, I totally agree with your your latter point. Um, we do seem to have quite a nice historical uh, relationship with Porto. Um, we we seem to do well at home, at least. Um, they did knock it about. They they, they they zipped it nicely. They were far more um, um, on top early on. I didn't think it was much different to Portugal, to be honest. Um, they just always seemed to be there. They always had a player everywhere. Anytime a Rangers player had the ball, they just seemed to be absolutely everywhere. I thought, right, this team are far fitter, far well, uh, more organised. But in Portugal, as at Ibrox, they just kind of gave up a bit on that. And we are bad for not giving us credit, ourselves credit, mm-hmm. for being able eventually to negate good passing, good technical teams. Um when, when they come to Ibrox, because Porto are not the first in the last two seasons to do that, um, to not be able to score, to not be able to find a way through. And we did what we needed to do. We we just kept in it. And as the game went on, uh, became more open and more chances uh, were created. And, you know, we were... Deserving of the, the the result by the end. Um, I don't know if too many were predicting it by by the start, but that's the the lesson seems to be learnt really by by this team is just do what you can to stay in the game, and if you're still in the game, you you get a chance. As I think Colin had texted in our group chat before, it eventually happened. 
No, he did. He did indeed. Um, I must admit, as I say, after 20 minutes, I thought, hmm. But then when you watch the game back, because you're at the game, Colin, and, you know, you're tense and um, the atmosphere uh, doesn't lead to clear thinking. But Martin touched on something that I, I noticed as I watched the game back, which was that Porto began to run out of ideas. Uh, as good as they were, and they moved the ball at pace, first touch, great movement, three players around, options all the time. But they fashioned one and a half chances. Uh, the one that Glenn Kamara did superbly to knock the ball off the line. And then they had a, a header from a, a set piece, which was brilliantly saved by McGregor, but was offside anyway. And that was it. So maybe do need to give our boys a bit of credit. They had to work incredibly hard to keep them from our goal, but they did. And in the end, Porto, I think, got a little bit, hang on a minute, you're playing quite well and we're you know, knocking the ball about and everybody's moving, the form's good, and we're creating hee-haw. And then when Rangers began to, in the second half, push that back, because similar to the first game, as Martin said, they went off at a hell of a tempo portal that they couldn't really maintain the whole game. And Rangers, I thought, grew more and more confident, more and more into it, and began to, to realise, right, we've dealt with the threat now, let's go and play our game. And as he said, by the end, I felt we deserved that one. Oh, for sure we deserved it. I mean, technically they started like the home team. They they were in control of the match. They were in control of the ball. Technically they were better. They were certainly smarter with their passes and thinking one or two steps ahead compared to us. But they didn't do all that much with that for all the pretty passes and all the good stuff they were doing. Like you said, there was the cleared shot that Kamara took off the line and then the header that was offside. And other than that, they didn't really do much with the possession they had. They just sort of frustrated us and frustrated the crowd a little bit. But I think when Pepe went off, that was sort of the guy that was kind of holding them all together, certainly from a defensive point of view. And I did think that if we got the opportunity, we got a chance. We had players on the pitch, Alfie, that could take a chance. And I thought if we got it, we would take it and we would hold on to it. I didn't think it was going to go the way it did one, then another, like that. But I don't think there could be any complaints. I don't think Porto can complain too much about the end of the game either. We played a smart, smart game, if you think about the double header we had last season at this point, this point we drew now now with Spartak at, at Ibrox. We then had that bonkers four three away loss away. We've learned so much better about game management and controlling things, and all over the pitch in different areas of the club, different players performing better than they did last year. Players are taking on stuff in training and producing the goods on the pitch now, and it's so good to see. I think by way of comparison with that game last year that Rangers midfield this year had Stephen Davis, Glenn Kamara, who obviously weren't there this time last year. And we also had Ryan Jack. Now, Ryan Jack was doing well last season, but he wasn't playing like this. And I think that the jump in quality with those three um, compared to, with no disrespect, meant they, they did well for what they had last year. Also, options further up are significantly stronger. But that is kind of what you expect. You know, you hope you grow season upon season. It's not always as straightforward as that. But but when you've got... You're not changing your manager every summer. It, there's an opportunity for it there. People might not believe this, but Martin's nickname as a small boy was Smiler because he was the happiest <laughs> young guy. That all changed for him in April 1993, thanks to the machinations of uh, French Cheats Marseille and a heroic goalkeeping performance by a Russian uh, Ibrox uh, playing for Siska Moscow. We usually, Martin, fuck things up. At this point, Colin's right, the double header. We have started well, and then usually the third game, a wee bit disappointing, you think we could have won, and then we fuck it up completely in the fourth game. And 
that's what we do. And we are scarred by this. This is 30 years, 30 plus years for you and I of this. So it was kind of refreshing because it was, hang on, this is this is different. This is not the script that's been followed, not just by one manager. I mean, there's several good managers with lots of money and talented players. For some reason, this pattern repeats and repeats, but it hasn't so far this year. No, and that's the the big takeaway in general um, from from last season, even though we we ended without a trophy again, there was signs of progress and you know, we haven't yet had the chance to win a trophy. It's coming up soon. But again, clear signs of, of, of big pro- progress that, as you said, just comes from a wee bit of continuity and stability. Um, not needing to, to bring in seven or eight first-teamers and Ryan Jack, Morelos, in particular this season, have shifted. They've shifted on, uh, I think, considerably. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's what gives us hope that uh, match day five and six, I'm prepared to be shot down here, um, but I can only think of one time uh, in a normal six-game European group where we've won in the last two games, and that was at home to Grasshoppers, which is a dead rubber. This is not great territory for Rangers, with better Rangers teams um, and more decorated managers. So, uh, caution there, but um, plenty of reasons to be optimistic, because we're learning. Colin mentioned it there. Our our game management, generally speaking, with the exception of a a, a 10-minute period in Denmark, um, has been so much more mature uh, and controlled. And the game's not going to be with you for from minute one to 91, right? It, no, unless, yeah, unless you're playing absolute minnows uh, in, in the middle of July, uh, that that's just not how it's going to work with Porto at Ibrox, Champions League quarterfinals last season, etc., etc. Um, so it was the fact we didn't panic and we didn't, buckle under pressure and pressure should lead in sport to unforced errors and it, and it didn't as I said we just hung in there and we rode it out and the second half was where we could then start to dominate the game uh, and it was it was intelligent um, it was mature it, it was just it was just grown up stuff and uh, should give us uh, confidence that we're not going to have the same um, denouement to a group stage that we, we, we normally do not enjoy. No, but to be in with a very decent chance at this stage, a well-earned chance, I think, um, you know, we could be fine out to sitting at the bottom of that group, looking way up, wondering what the hell is going on. And uh, I'm sure more people, when they looked at that group at the start of it, would have had us as the likely team to do that. So congratulations to Rangers so far. Just go and get it over the line. Now, the reason I haven't sort of mentioned some great individual displays there, Colin, is I'm going to bring them in from Sunday as well and, and combine the two. But we headed off to Livingston with trepidation isn't the right word, but certainly a healthy respect given the circumstances, you know, three days after a massive effort in Europe, going to play on that pitch, which has become a bit of a Scottish football cliche, but because it's true, it's god-awful, it's it's unacceptably bad. It's genuinely laughable when you you can just imagine people who don't follow Scottish football tuning in and going, what the hell is wrong with my telly? When this neon, vivid nightmare 
of broken Christmas trees, lollipop sticks and sweat uh, appears on their screen. But Rangers went there expecting a physical game. Um, the manager had spoken about that through the week. Gary Holt went in the huff about it, which we'll discuss later. Um, and grabbed the game right from the start. Said to Livingston, no, you're not getting to play your game. Um, played ours. Well, at our best. Rangers can play better than that. But never, ever looked like coming away with anything other than three points. No, there, there was there was no fear watching that yesterday, right from kickoff. You, I don't want to say I was comfortable because you should never be comfortable in a match like that. But it, it did almost feel that way. Um, a few of the players that had previously went up there in the cup game, I think they got a shock. They got some stuff they didn't expect in terms of the pitch, in terms of physicality, and just stuff they hadn't really seen before. But they were ready for it yesterday, and. I think Livingston, to, to an extent, didn't try to get away with just as much as before because they knew we were up for it and weren't going to take it as well. And it was a proper professional performance by a group of players that are just getting into a habitual behaviour now of just handing in really professional performances match after match after match. And a goal in each half kept it comfortable. That pitch is disgusting. Um, my in-laws popped in yesterday afternoon, which, as you can imagine, I was delighted about. Mm. So I had the game on with them and Lisa, my wife, and she never watches the football. And she did say, what is that pitch all about? Why <laughs> Why does it look like that? And I'm trying to explain it to her while watching the game. And she's just like, she's, what, they let people train on it and people can go and play on it. And they do that just for money. And I was like, yeah. So as a laughing stock and people that don't aren't really into it and don't get it, don't understand it, it's it's crazy. But it is at a leveller for teams like Livingston combined with their physicality, it does become one of the most difficult places to go, especially in the weather like it was yesterday. All kind of things were transpiring against us. There was lots of little excuses that you wouldn't like to hear, but we would have popped up yesterday had we dropped points. Mm. We didn't need any of them, which is fantastic. Uh, a, a pet hate of mine last season, Martin, was... Uh, maybe again we're scarred by the war but no, we'll learn from this and never doing so was was taking a while to learn lessons and not making even small changes to the team I, I don't think there's any great sign of weakness for a manager to maybe take things into account I bet you right now Pep Guardiola is maybe regretting not doing that uh, mm-hmm. for example and, and just doing what he always does at Anfield Rangers did learn from, as Colin says, a disappointing cup performance. We won, but the the 20 minutes at the start of the second half in that cup tie was the worst I think Rangers have played this season. Um, Livingston battered us, and they're the only team this season to have battered us for a spell where they missed chances. McGregor was making yeah. several stops. Hellander looked hell of a uncomfortable. The whole team couldn't get going at all. But Rangers did adapt to that. Uh, Lyndon Dykes, who had a good game against us at Ibrox as well, even though he got sent off eventually, and had a very good night that night. Rangers did adapt. Didn't change wholesale what we do, but one difference was both centre-halves went and played on him rather than letting him come forward and play on them. And then we dropped Jack or Kamara, depending which side, just back deeper for the second ball, which meant that Rangers won everything. Um, if the defender didn't win the header, then they at least competed, so he didn't get a clear one. And from the result second ball, Rangers would spring and start again. And I loved that because I thought, yes. And then, as Colin mentioned, someone like Hellander, who was surprised, I'm sure, to to be playing in a match like that on a surface like that, had learned and went, right, OK, I need to adjust this. I need to do that. I think that's an incredibly healthy sign. I, as I say, I, I hate when teams and managers are fixated on no we do this and that's it 
there are very, very few teams in the world that are good enough to always do that. And it doesn't mean throwing the baby out with the bathwater and ripping up your plans. It just means tinkering around the margin sometimes. And Rangers did that and were rewarded with, I thought, a significantly better performance. Tinkering's a word, really. There were little adaptations, weren't they? Um, and that's, again, what we're, we're becoming far better at. Um, other than the, the old Fern game, which was just a disaster tactically right from, from the off. The only other disappointments, of course, been Tank that, Castle. I think the last that time... That was overdoing it. That, that yeah, exactly. Home, yeah, yeah, yeah. Home at Ibrox, yeah. And, and the last time I was on the flagship, I think, was, was after Tank Castle, I think, um, where we had this discussion about making it too much about the opposition, making it too much about the physical battles and forgetting to do the stuff that we're we're pretty good at. And there was only maybe... We we, we definitely get into that the, the last time um, at Livingston, and there was maybe just a period just at the start of the second half, a very brief one, um, where it looked like we were getting into what the game that they wanted to play. And But apart from that, uh, it was just these little... Uh, movements, these little adaptations that you you, you mention, uh, just to nullify. Because if you don't nullify a known threat, then you, you know you're professionally negligent. And and it is it does become about football ideology and football philosophy rather than how is the best way to to win this game. Um, so you, you don't want it too Warburton, uh, but you don't you don't want it being completely dictated by by the opposition, which I think we we maybe were at Tencastle a bit. And it, with our team, it's it's about how we start. We we know as fans, especially fans on the ground, you know what kind of day you're going to get in the first 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> yes, you do. And that's what impressed me about yesterday. It was little moments, little adjustments to negate certain strengths that they had, but we weren't making it a battle. We weren't giving them the afternoon that they wanted to have. We more or less played our game uh, and we're, we're very comfortable doing so. Colin, I had mentioned there maybe picking out individuals, but I want to pick out a unit from yesterday, and that was the back four, and it was the same back four that played on Thursday, and same back four that had played at the weekend before, and I think for the first time under Stephen Gerrard, we have a first choice back four, and I think at the moment they are working together as a complete unit. They all have their assigned role, I noticed in the last couple of games, Goldson, who I thought was fantastic in the last two matches, has very much asserted himself as the leader of the back four, and it's working for him. Uh, I don't mean that he's going about shouting at people for no reason. It's just he's the guy that gives it right. We step forward, we do this, we do that. Barisic is, I think, getting better almost by the month at the moment, and now just looks so confident and he is talented. We always knew he was talented, but now he's marrying that. So he's he's not fussed at all by the physicality of the Scottish game. In fact, he looks like a monster himself when he's charging up and down that wing. Hellander is doing exactly what I'm sure the gaffer brought him in to do. He provides balance. He's calm. He's composed. And he, he's a, a slightly different type of centre-half to... to Goldson, which I, I like. I always like the, the balance of partnership. And Tav, I think, has concentrated very deliberately over the last few weeks on cut out the mistakes. Yeah, try and get forward, but make sure you're not doing anything at the back. Um, and I was really, really impressed. Both, the, the, I mean, they had very little to do against Hearts, but 
they they could have been busy, they could have been a lot busier, but Alan McGregor has had two fairly easy matches, and I think that was down to what was in front of him. Yeah, very much so. And um, I mean, to look at the, the fullbacks, first of all, Tav's been fine the last couple of games. He's had no issues. He's done well. Um, he's not been the playmaker almost that he's been in the past for us, but everything has to go through him, and every attack starts with Tav. And the reason for that, for me, is the emergence of Barisic. Um, we can now, we're now able to start the ball down the left or down the right, which means Tav is able to concentrate a little bit more on the defensive point of view because he knows they've also got an attacking threat going from the left and not just from the right anymore. And that's a key point that's helped him, I think, over this last couple of weeks where he has been susceptible to a wobble and he could, his head could have went down, but he's been able to just concentrate on that defensive side and work on that, get through a fair couple of games where he would certainly be capable of an error and he's not done any of that, which is great. Um, we all love Katic and we'd all love to see him play, but I think we're all quite slowly falling in love with Big Phil as well. Um, he's not put a foot wrong. He was he was obviously had that dodgy game up in Livingston initially on the pitch. He's came through that yesterday and showed us that he will learn and he will improve and he'll take a learning when things like that happen to him. And having him and Goldstone together and a little bit of consistency can only make this defensive unit stronger and perform better going forward. It's really good having the four centre-halves that we're not feared about anyone really coming in. We think they can all do a job, which is great, and there will be time to rotate them. But having some consistency and having the four of them working together, learning from each other and bringing the best out of each other can only help us going forward. And it's, it's a damn good position to be in. Really, really delighted with the whole work that the defence is doing, both defensively and going forward now with attack coming down both sides. I think that's about 430 minutes without a goal. That's incredible. That's amazing. I, I think the only adjustment there must have been when uh, Barisic went off for a precaution uh, precaution up at Ross County and Halliday came in. I'm pretty sure we'll start with that back that, four. That's four team. matches where they haven't conceded basically a shot. I mean, there was a long-range deflecting one at Ross County. Nothing I can remember against Hearts. A header, actually, sorry, in the second half against Hearts. The as we say, one off the line and the offside one against Porto. And then yesterday there was one shot from twenty yards from Lawless. That that really was it. That's in four matches. It's also yeah. in four sorry, it's also in four matches where it's two funny league matches, a semi final and a European match against Porto. It's not four Diddy games we've done this in. No, it's no. four tough, tough games. Are you a believer, Martin, in a settle back four or does it not really I mean, last season we heard a fair few gripes um, about what fans feel was unnecessary rotation. I admit I grumbled a bit and I wondered, well, you know, Gerard knows more about football than me, so am I just old-fashioned? Because when I was growing up, that's, you know, what we were told constantly. You settle back for a goalkeeper and you build from that. Or is that just coincidence? It's just that the four of them happen to be playing well. Oh, it's no coincidence. Um no, uh, I think we, we, we have kind of uh, fallen on that. And a lot of that obviously is to do with Barisic finally finding form and settling down and finding confidence. Um, Hollander was always going to need time to settle in. He was never going to just walk in and be uh, first choice centre half. Although we didn't spend that kind of money on someone from Serie A without the plan that he would be a first choice centre mm-hmm. half sooner rather than later. We had someone in Katic that was bedded in to some degree, confident enough that, you know, that's how we would more or less start the season. And that, you know, that that's fine. That's a plan. Um it served its purpose and we, we, we now do have that back four. 
Uh, in terms of the rotation, yeah, there are other areas of the park that will lend itself to more rotational, especially the two wider attacking berths. Um, we've shown that we can mix up the midfield without too much disruption. Um, that's the probably the last thing that you, you, you want to mess around with, but you still need to be cognizant of the fact that there's an awful lot of football to be played. Um, and in Scotland, on dreadful pitches, dreadful conditions, um, you, you just need to be intelligent. I don't really know, however where December allows us a chance to uh, rest up on that. So I'd expect those four are fit to pretty much play everything. And of course, you defend as a team, Colin. Uh, the midfield has been terrific the last few weeks. Ryan Jack has been outstanding. But we've seen the re-emergence of Glenn Kamara, who, let's be honest, had started the season poorly. I mean, not even, uh, he wasn't quite up to what he'd been last year. He was poor in a lot of games. He looked dozy. His touch was off back with a vengeance the last few weeks. Yeah, very much so. And it's a, a real measure of his character as a player that he came in, did really well when he signed for that first six months. Started this season not so great, but he knuckled down. He obviously kept improving himself in training because Gerard did keep giving him opportunities, did keep bringing into the team. And this last sort of spell where he's played the majority of games, he's really not done much wrong. And the we've got a couple of different options in that centre midfield. And at the minute... They all seem to work. You've got him and Jack working really well. We've got Davis when he comes in, but then you can mix up and have guys like Arabo coming in and others. And they're all jostling for these positions. And it is good to have these options, but similar to what Martin's just said, we've got loads of games coming up where Gerard is going to prove that he knows more about football than us by picking the right players for the right games. But I don't know how he starts prioritising these matches and deciding who's right for what. Um, but Kamara's got himself right into the mix to do that. I'm really impressed with him. And we can start talking about what a good deal 50k was again. Yeah, exactly. We, we stopped saying that for a while, didn't we? Yeah, I like that song. So I'm delighted <laughs> to, to see this, uh, just because I enjoy belting that one out. Martin, I'm running out of superlatives for Alfredo Morelos, but I'll just quite happily go back to the start and run through them all again, because, my God, he's earning them. Um, tremendous on Thursday night. The goal was sublime. Um, a t- incredibly difficult finish. Um, he's got virtually... Uh, in fact, he's got a few seconds where he needs to react, adjust, set himself, decide how he's going to finish it, finish it, and put it the one place he puts it. He needs to do all of that in a couple of seconds, and he does it. Uh, right when you need them, big players do that. Big games, they show up. They, they they make the difference, and he does that. Yesterday, it started the second half. I, I even um, said that to the lads. I was like, Alfie's having a bit of a, a horror here with his touch. He, his mm. touch was way off at the start of the second half. Shut my mouth, because a couple <laughs> of minutes later, the ball gets launched to him. No danger to Livingston. He's got the ball facing the goal wide. Um you know, defender in front of him. What can he do from there? Well, he can turn the defender inside out and from an acute angle, put a perfect finish right across the goalkeeper in at the far corner. The guy is just phenomenal. He is playing out of his skin. But the best thing about it is, is I don't think this is a purple patch. I just think that this is a boy who improves constantly. Yeah, it's not an aberration. Um, it's... Uh... There's just a build upon build um, in his game. Uh, you forget sometimes how young he actually is. Um, I guess the only thing that he, he perhaps lacks at the absolute top, top level um, and he's not going to find is, is pace. Um, but he compensates for that uh, with, with other attributes. Is that uh, all? He's a, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know what he's, on a, happening, he's, but, a, yeah. 
Alf's is tremendous. I mean, I, I, it's 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 the best Alf's I've seen since Kenny Dalglish. He just has a way of using it to send a defender one way and head off himself the other, or roll them, or and it's never a foul. That's what I love about it. It's never the defender can't even claim it, um, but he just the he sucks them in to come tight on him, and then he's away. Um, but then if they step off and he plays the ball, spins in behind, and we've got good enough players to find them, it's a lovely option. No, he, he's, his game intelligence has improved. It was a, a question mark um, about his ability to develop, um, maybe at points last season, uh, the season before. Uh, there's been just been a huge jump since the summer. Um, not unrelated to the disciplinary to the even flashpoints that we you'd be scratching your head trying to to think of one um this season where he's allowed himself to to get into a situation um and he was in plenty of them um last year and um, he played Pepe twice exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think you were a bit disappointed with the, the lack of fireworks involved in those those contests but that 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 is not unrelated at the end of the game, I hope that the two of them went and had a wrestling match in the, in the <laughs> tunnel afterwards. I'd have liked to have seen that, but uh, he, no, he, he won that battle. Yeah, he did, and intelligently. Um, I guess the thing in, that's consistent with both goals this week, um, and I was at both games, um, and at no point when he got the ball... Did you ever think, oh, there's a chance on, a big chance, this is a sitter, if he doesn't do anything with it. They were kind of in the back of the net before you thought there was something on. Especially the Porto one. Now, you are maybe better seated um, for once um, than, than me for, for, for the Porto game. Um, you had a better view of that because you were kind of behind the, the, the line of the ball. Um, I just I didn't even think there was anything on there. Just, no, just where he was, uh, and he he had the tiniest of margins to deal with on on Sunday as well. Um, so that that's an incredible gift to to have, um, and in tight games and tight spots, um, as you said, the ability to conjure up from from not a lot um, is 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 what does the biz. So um, long may it continue because there are you said he's done it in big games. Uh, he is. Um, there's a couple coming. Yeah, there is. Um, but at the moment, I, I think he thinks he's going to score against everybody, and uh, well, he is. So it's a legitimate thing to to for him to believe in as he as he uh, heads onto the pitch each day. So very satisfying. Um, Rangers happy with the the result, but Livingston not too happy. Colin with remarks uh, attributed to the Rangers manager, which uh, I think were misinterpreted by Gary Holt and Stephen Gerrard pulled him up um, for that after the game yesterday. Uh, Livingston said to be unhappy that Stephen Gerrard had mentioned that uh, Rangers had a lot of head injuries and of course the worst one being Joe Aribos the last time they played Livingston and asking referees for a bit more protection. Gary Holt complained in the media saying that uh, he didn't believe that Livingston were a physical dirty side, that they go out there and they just try and compete which I always find a bit of a euphemism, and uh, generally had a right wee moan. The gaffer sent his team out to defeat them comfortably and then pointed out that what he'd said was perfectly true, and it was, in my opinion. So what's your take on this uh, war of words so beloved by the media? 
Well, yeah, the beloved by the media is what it is because Gerard sort of just smashed it away with facts and stuff that was correct and stuff that wasn't really taken the right way by Holt in the first place. Um, he got elbows mixed up with forearms. He got um, criticised of... Who was the player that did the forearm? Was it, Ricky Lamy. Oh, Lamy, that's it. Um, Lamy, Gerard did actually went on record and said Lamy wasn't that bad a player in terms of physicality and stuff like that. But it's it's just nonsense. You can't act like a dick the way Livingston do and then get annoyed when people call you a dick. And that's what they do with this style of football. You can't play the way they do and not take the criticism that comes with it. Anybody with any sort of degree of knowledge of what football is and how it's played watch Livingston and knows exactly what they are, how they're set up, how they've been assembled and what they're going to try and do. The whole pitch and everything plays into it. They're not there to play good football. They're there to spoil things and to try and outmuscle people and that's what they do. I'm glad we've got a manager that's not going to get pulled into a war of words and start arguing and fighting with managers. Um, and he just did the classy dignity thing you would expect from Stephen Gerrard yesterday and put it to bed really on the pitch. I also like the fact that he waited after the game to speak about it. Sky were quite fly yesterday in the pre-match interview with him, trying to open it all up. He said he would talk about it after the game. He did that after we'd won the game, we'd won it convincingly and there could be no accusations of sour grapes or what about today. We've done the business on the park and then we've addressed the nonsense off of it and that's how we should be doing things. So... It's stoked up by the media. Um, I, I would imagine Holt still reads all the tabloids, believes all the shite in them rather than the actual facts, and he's then quoted it himself. It's very, very silly and very naive of him. Martin, we grew up watching Scottish football and good Rangers teams who could put it about a bit themselves, another one of those euphem- uh, euphemisms. But what I've noticed the last few seasons is that the teams that are hammer throwers, and let's be honest here, Hearts, Motherwell, um, this season Livingston, now, their way of dealing, and there is a gap in terms of budgets, don't deny it for a minute, and they, we have significantly better players than them, is to be well-organised, good at set pieces, and to be physical and push the boundaries as much as they can, um, see what they can get away with. Little things that happened yesterday in the game that, because I was maybe watching it through this prism of these comments, but you hear the phrase... Um, we left a wee bit on him there. Well, we're so used to that that we don't break it down. Let's break that down. What that means is he kicked him. That's that's what that means. And you hear a lot as a defensive clubs like that, we don't try to hurt people. Well, yes, you do. That's what that that's what that is. Um now you don't mean to hurt them as seriously as twenty stitches, I get that. But you do mean to hurt them. What you're saying to them is you'll get that again every time there's a high ball, so don't compete for it. That that's the aim of it is to put players off and to to stop skillful players trying skillful things because you know they're gonna get uh, an injury. There was a couple of tackles where the Livingston player ended up with dead legs for Alfie and, and Kent, and the Livingston player knew fine what they were doing on each of those. Why do they get so upset when people then say, I you boot people, when that is a good part of their game plan? It seems a touch hypocritical to me. It is, and they know it. They're just creating a bit of noise. Um, and to try and hopefully ensure that the, the referees uh, don't look at it too closely, I I I guess, um, or oh, they're not like that, not that type of player, we love to say um, in, in this country. Uh, there never uh, has been that type of player. There no. literally isn't one. I'd love a manager just no. once. Yeah, um, I mean, does that. you're right. 
managers have to work with the resources they have and the limitations of the squad within the interpretation of the laws of the game. The interpretation of the laws of the game do differ from league to league, from country to country. And if we're talking more generally about the state of Scottish football, a lot of it will rest in the officiating and their willingness to allow a bit of uh, leaving um, your 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 imprint on on the opposition um, because you know that that's that's just a that's just a warning really um, in, in in Scotland. So that's at the, the the root of that. Teams like that have got away with it and they know that and that's how they can play that way. Um, we need to watch our own hypocrisy, I guess, because we're happy for them to body Celtic. And we're happy for difficult away games to exist uh, as long as we get through them um, and they don't. So, you know, if if we are morally upset at the way Livingston and teams of their ilk play, we need to be upset at, you know, the start of October when Celtic get absolutely battered um, in every way, thankfully, um, or just accept that that's going to be the way it is and Scottish football will be as dire as it is. So, you know, we you, we can't have that always. I'd like to point out that the red card in that match, Martin, was shown to a Celtic player. And there was thuggery on display that day, but yeah. uh, let's... let's uh... <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right with that, um, but Colin. Spot on when he says, you know, we, we are a little bit hypocritical about it. But this is where I think that in terms of the game improving in Scotland, we do get held back and because everyone only cares about their club and I get that but because referees allow this the the thing that really irritates me is the tactical fouling which refs allow in England after a couple of them the ref will book a player and just point and say you know your team are using as a tactic fouling to break up the game therefore I'm stopping it in Scotland they never will because they see, well, that, that's not enough for a yellow card, whereas referees see in England see what they're trying to do as a tactic and will book a player to discourage them from continuing in that tactic. We allow this stuff, and then we wonder when we go into Europe and our teams are just taken apart by these technically much more gifted side, and we wonder why we don't bring through creative players the, the best Scottish players tend to be the ones that do go to England, not exclusively, you know, Rangers and Celtic can still do it, but apart from that, no no really skillful player is going to survive in Scotland, um, which is why I think that Scott Allen makes one pass in 2019, and that's enough to keep him as a professional footballer. It does hold us back as a nation. Yeah, I mean, if we've seen it ourselves in lots of recent uh, distant future, past, sorry, that if you do anything with a little bit of flair in Scotland, you actually get criticised for it, and you're showboating and you're taking the piss out of other teams. You're not actually allowed to do the fancy good stuff. You get criticised for it. The other one that gets me is the amount of time wasting in our game as well. Um, how many teams have came to Ibrox and wasted time from literally the first minute? And then we somehow managed to get a goal. It's 1-0 in the last minute or so of the game. They want every single bit of injury time played and everything back to try and get them back in it after wasting probably circa 10 minutes of the match themselves. It's it's embarrassing and it's it's doubly more, uh, more so embarrassing now that we've got guys like Stephen Gerrard in the game and when we had Rodgers here as well. It put more eyes on the Scottish game. More people watch it. More people take an interest in it. And it's things like that. Empty stadiums. 
plastic pitches and just all this shit that really does show us up and make us look even more third rate than we actually are. There's a kind of celebration of this going on in the Scottish game at the moment, Martin, I've noticed, um, where it, it does seem to be people taking a perverse pride in how shit things are. <laughs> Um, where you'll you'll see a lot of stuff about oh, there's no cameras in our crowd, well, very few teeth at certain matches, but um, you know, and oh look at this terrible decision, that's Scottish football for you. Should we celebrate this mediocrity? Or are they just making the best of a bad law, or is it you know, come on, lads, let's let's aim for a wee bit higher. No, we shouldn't, but. Um... In terms of the the overall bigger picture, the, the game has moved on from Scotland eight years ago, years ago, and instead of dealing with that, our response really is to clear up the earthiness of it and the, the realness of it. I'm sure, did I read some tweet or someone shared the tweet immediately after the, the, the Europa League on Thursday night to great results um, and someone had well you know the old firm have got all the money I'm, I'm more looking forward to what, the Dundee match or the Dundee derby on, on Friday night or something because like, that's where real football really is and um, I mean, you get it in, in the lower leagues in England as well because the, the Premier League has kind of disenfranchised so many fans and what's not kind real. of smug underdog authority it's, it's not real and football's not real anymore because what we wanted we missed the, the racism and the pitch that are <laughs> and, the and and the death traps that were stadiums and yeah it's um it's paying for something that doesn't exist and it's it's trying grimly to make your product have some kind of USP which it does have um although I don't know how wide it sells particularly um because we we can't really sell our game for no. TV contracts because it's uh, well. We have games like like yesterday where um, a football team has to negotiate. Um, and it's all close. It's, uh, a squad of players who, who appear sometimes to be playing a different sport. So, um, but but yeah, it's it's because we 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 missed the boat and it's it feels like it's too late and we we have to decry any kind of progress or anyone that, that looks like getting their shit together and also we have to decry. Rangers getting their shit together. Yeah, mainly. Yeah, similarly to the anywhere else calling a player like Alfredo Morelos would be fated in that league. Can you imagine if you Colombian Alfred Davies? What he would be called by everybody. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and you wouldn't be getting articles such as the Keith Jackson one that basically alluded to the fact that everyone from Colombia must be a drug dealer. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I, I just I compare it to someone like Haaland you know the boy who's coming through at the moment at Salzburg and I wonder if the media in that country go Aye, well you know he's he's never done it in this game and eh, okay he's scoring in Europe but eh. I, I just I, I can't see that happening elsewhere I think in, in any other league they would but as you say that's exclusively because it's as, as a club Colin maybe we'd be better off trying to sell you know little Steven Gerrard and He's trying to break that, and here's a great story. And then of the other clubs, you know, Hearts and Hibs, these two clubs that have been struggling, there are stories you can sell without having to go into, oh, look at this, you know, the referee missed the ball hitting the back of the net. That's Scottish football for you. 
Yeah, you can. Almost like the rose that grew from concrete kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the only issue is we've got Hearts doing a Netflix-style documentary that will do all that good work. Can't wait for it, it to be in. honest. So, but yeah, there is stories there. I mean, our story, God, over the last five, six years, Gerard, over the last two years, there's, there's good stuff happening. There is some teams that are trying things and trying to do decent stuff, but the cloggers just ruin it for everybody. But yeah, we, if we had a media that actually concentrated on the football and the good stuff rather than the negative stuff and they didn't just concentrate on one team, then it would be a completely different game. It would be looked at completely differently and goals for France under 21s wouldn't be better than 22 in the league. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just the way this stupid country is at times, unfortunately. Martin, you are the uh, Protestant Pirlo of the pod and you're a man uh, very classy who enjoys the rarefied atmosphere of European nights and knows the value of them. It was six years to the day, the Porto game, six years to the day that Rangers appointed David Summers as chairman. (laughs) Is it fair to say that we have our Rangers back? Yeah. Um, I think it felt like that in Spain last year when we were in Villarreal and we were just like playing against teams with players you had heard of um, <laughs> and just being back um, in a group a group stage. We're not back to where we want to be because that's champions of Scotland, um, of course, um, but competing uh, and at a level that has respect. And we are rebuilding that reputational damage um, game by game. And I think that that incredible qualification last year, we've we've, we've matched that again this year, of course. But um, that's when it felt we we had our club back for for me personally, and we've we've just built from that. Um, there's a couple of obvious steps still to go, of course. But um, yeah, we're, we're miles away. It feels far more than six years, David. I'll be honest. Yeah, thankfully. Um, God, I hated that prick. He's weird wee... He was so fat he had a face that looked as though it had been merged onto a face. Um, and I never like that. Just, we'll always remember the islands. But uh, yeah, it was such a good night uh, at Ibrox on Thursday. Right, folks, that will do us for Heart and Hand this week. Now, there'll be no Heart and Hand extra this week and no Heart and Hand next Monday night. I'll know a fresh one anyway. We will uh, probably give you one of our Patreon shows, though, because if you haven't subscribed yet, then why not? You clearly like the show, and there's loads of more in-depth, amazing stuff over on Heart and Hand. Colin yesterday had a show about the career of Stephen Davis. Martin was uh, kind enough to invite me on to his show, The Time Capsule, last week, where we discussed Rangers uh, to Celtic nil in 1996, the first Old Firm game of the nine in a row season. Uh, if you love Rangers, you will love that, and you can get access to all of this from just one ninety nine per month by visiting patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. If you want to come and see us live, and I absolutely recommend that you do, dare say you wouldn't want to come and see us dead right enough, but um, if you want to come and see a live performance, I should say more accurately, we have two coming up. We will be appearing with our good friend Kevin Thompson, current Rangers youth coach and, of course, a European hero for the Jers, title winning one every trophy in his time at Rangers. He'll be with us in Bathgate on the 23rd of November, but we will be having our annual Christmas party at Ibrox. Come along and see us all at Ibrox on December the 6th. Kick off 
the cup final weekend on Friday night in the beautiful Ibrox suite. Tickets are available on ticketsource.co.uk. That's ticketsource.co.uk. Just search heart and hand and up they will pop. There aren't many left for either. Incidentally, under 20 left for both. So please be quick. Don't think that you'll pick them up closer. We are very limited in terms of numbers. They do check. I, well, the, the gig in Bathgate's actually seated uh, and they do check at Ibrox to make sure we don't overfill it. So uh, we won't be able to do it. Thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and my thanks to my two wonderful guests, first of all, Colin McMillan. Absolute pleasure, thank you. And Martin Ramsey. Pleasure. Thank you for listening, folks. We'll be back a uh, week on Thursday, I think, for the next Heart and Hand Extra as we preview the Hamilton game. Until then, survive the international break. Talk to you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.